identity has gotten to be a major issue these days. But while people try to look within to discover who they really are, there's a more reliable way. It's more hidden than being in the closet, and it's more trustworthy than inventing ourselves in our own image. As my years draw near to eternity, I'm remembering the struggles I've had with regrets, pain-induced reactions to hard times, and caving into peer pressure to accept a definition of who I was based upon the opinions, actions, and words of others. When I lost the Northern Division Collegiate Tennis Championship, my ego took a hit. When the bully dragged me from the playground in front of the whole class, my humiliation became a larger part of my character. Outwardly, I felt disgraced, and inwardly, I raged. I would learn in my life with Christ that taking our cue from anything in this world, good and bad, eventually cripples us and our society. Did you know that life doesn't work by us getting the things that we deserve? If we live by demanding justice, we need to start praying that we don't get what we want. Life is designed by God to work by grace and mercy. The grace we receive, and the mercy we give, defines the life we are created to have. The stress of a misguided sense of who we are can cause everything from spiritual corruption to character defects, relationship failures, and seizures, heart problems, immune system depression, or chronic sickness. It all comes from yielding to the mistaken idea that we can define who we are and we can reinvent ourselves. We are created in God's image, and near the root of human failure and sin, is finding ourselves within instead of from above. Do you realize that people who seem to be mad at everyone else are really mad at who they are? They're disappointed at who they become. Then there are others who are shy or extremely sensitive to the feelings of others because, again, they've accepted a definition of who they are as something less than they've been created to be. But at the risk of getting too psychological here, let's just look at who we are created to be, and then let's dare to start accepting it, and then come out of the closet of our own fears. Paul writes to the Colossian church, because they had been taught by the Jews to conform their lives according to man-made laws and philosophy by the ideas of men instead of by the risen Savior. When I read his greeting, I was stopped in my tracks. He plainly states who he is. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. He had found his identity by the will of God, not of men. He used to have an inner rage that used religion as an excuse to torment others. All of his years of intense study of the law of God had only made him proud, angry, and violent because it was all the product of self-accomplishment. When Jesus knocked him off his horse and revealed himself to Paul, he became a different man by the will of God. Today, we also have the great privilege of accepting the identity God has given us as those created in his image. Then Paul proceeds to call them saints. If you have accepted Jesus as who he offers himself to be, both Lord and Savior of the world, then you are a saint. What causes you to repent or turn and go in a different direction to the restored vision of who you really are is this vision 
of sainthood. This is how God is defining you, as a saint. It is from an original word establishing an identity of sacredness, holiness, purity, and distinction as the most holy thing, and thus is consecrated to this standing. It is one known as being morally perfect or blameless and righteous, not by track record, but by the new life freely given to us by God himself. This was no light thing to be passed over as some kind of verbal filler to assign as an expected courtesy like Mr., Mrs., or Miss. He says to them, Saints and those in Christ Jesus who are faithful. A saint is a state of identity derived from reality in Christ. You are called a saint because you are a saint set apart as holy by God through Jesus' atoning work, his resurrection, which is a justifying display of his triumph over all that is unholy. And it is his elevation of our lives to the place where he is seated in heaven. Your life, in a sense, looks down from this most dignified, authoritative, and powerful place as one above reproach, blame, or stain, who has become worthy of the very glory of God. Through Christ, you are made worthy of the glory of God with all rights of access to the throne of heaven. No wonder Satan assaults your value, your worth, dignity, and esteem. And no matter how hard you try to debate the accusations of worthlessness, hopeless value, and demeaning fault-finding criticisms in your head— which, by the way, originate from the accuser, Satan, whose name means slander and who is understood as the adversary, tempter, deceiver, liar, killer, and thief. No matter how much you try, these twisted lies about your true identity in heaven can only be defeated by the truth of who Christ is to you and who he has been made to be to you. He has restored to you all of the intention of the Father when mankind was first created. God had no intention of making you a failure, a loser, a sinner, and morally corrupt or vile person, all of which the devil accuses you with, especially if you have indeed accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. He defines you, not the devil, not another person, and not even you, get to define or establish who you are. Christ has made you holy, and according to Scripture, He is made to be your holiness, righteousness, and life. The more clearly you see Him, the more clearly you see yourself. How dare we even say that in light of so many of our moments of impatience, anger, fear, pride, lust, and selfishness? How dare we say this? Well, because we are created saints from the inside out, not the other way around. We don't act like saints to become saints. We are saints who learn to act like it as we dare to see and accept our true identity, and then we start to change on the outside. To truly see Him is to comprehend His likeness, his image because we finally see His great mercy and love and utter devotion to us. 
His presence will fully convince us of His holy love. Holy, meaning a love with no stain in it, no variableness or shadow of changing at all, withdrawing or denying us of all that He is in His love. Love is giving, and He gives us Himself, all of Himself. All we are as saints has been given and cannot be earned. We don't do to merit. We receive to live it. We put it on by faith in order to display it. In Christ, as a believer, you are a saint. Now, this is not given to everyone. Jesus said that he was thankful that who he is has been hidden from the wise and proudly educated ones. It is by revelation to the humble of heart. And it is here that Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are heavy-hearted, and I will give you rest, for I am meek. He will not break a bruised reed, the Bible says, and he is extremely gentle of heart. When I first started out in the ministry, I had to do a lot of what I call soul work, letting God imprint his identity on all of the areas where I hurt, hated, and was afraid. And to this very day, that process of coming out of the darkness of human identity has been at work. In fact, now as much as ever, I find myself becoming more clean, restful, and filled with hope because of him. I heard a person with cancer in her spine, her lungs, and her liver say, before she sang a song, that it's important for people to know that I'm so much more than the bad things that have happened to me. After she sang on America's Got Talent, she said, You can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. Off stage, she said, I've been given a 2% chance of survival at 30 years of age. When life has taken us into the darkness, the best way to be happy before a life isn't hard anymore is to look up and realize that in Christ, you really are so much more than the bad things that have happened to you or even been done by you. You are a saint. Because of Jesus, we are so much more than the bad things we've done. Someone said that we'll be judged by others by our last bad thing. But through our Savior, we'll be judged by the last thing that He's done for us.